You know, I think after nothing but the blood, the next song we need to teach our kids is trust and obey. My goodness, what doctrine is in there to be happy in Jesus, but to trust and obey. My goodness, wonderful, wonderful tonight. Acts chapter number 6, if you'll turn there while you're standing, we'll read and pray and let you be seated. Acts chapter number 6, and um, looking forward tonight to the new study we're going to be looking at, and uh, something that's been very personal to me, and something the Lord's allowed us to, uh, to preach on, and been looking forward to introducing it tonight. That's exactly what we're going to do is introduce something we're going to be looking at over the next few weeks and uh, jump right in verse number one, Acts chapter number six. The Bible says in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplied, there rose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. Then the 12 called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, it is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Now, verse 3 will be our key context tonight. I want you to to notice the Bible says, Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen. Notice those two words there. The Bible says, They chose Stephen a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost, and Philip, and Prochorus, and Nicnor, and Timon, I think I believe that's how you say that, or Timon, and Parmenius, and Nicholas, a proselyte of Antioch. Now look back up to verse 5. The Bible says that when they were looking for someone to fill the need that we read about in verse number 3, the Bible says they chose Stephen. Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for your word. Bless it tonight. Pray your will be done in it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. A few weeks ago, um, my family and I, we've been reading through the book of Acts together in our, our family devotions, and uh, we, we got to Acts chapter number six, and we were reading through this at night there before we would go to bed, and uh, noticed uh, what was transpiring here, and for the sake of time, I'll not get into a lot of the background here, but there was a great need uh, amongst the church, and the Bible says in verse three that the prescription was to seek out some men. Uh, there's much conversation and debate over whether or not these are deacons. We'll not enter into that tonight. There's no need for that. The Bible says when it came time to seek out these men, verse number five says it pleased the whole multitude and they chose Stephen. Those words really began to resonate in my heart and my mind. Uh, What a privilege it was to be in Stephen's shoes. That way, here it is, the early church. Here it is, someone being chosen, being picked by God. Now, obviously, this is men, but they're being led by God. There's a need, there's a void that needs to be filled. And the Bible says as they sought out men, they chose Stephen. And really, for me, it's hard to comprehend the great privilege it was for Stephen to be chosen. That Stephen would be led to them, that man would be led by other men, by God, to choose him to fill the need that was there. Now, I'll be honest with you. As I read the Word of God, a lot of times I get spiritual envy. Do you ever get there? When you read about somebody who did something, got chosen for something, or somebody who got to participate in something very special in the Word of God, and you get kind of spiritually envious of them. You know, sometimes we get envious of people with new cars and new houses, but man, to read about people who were chosen by God, man, what a privilege that is. And you think about it, not only was he chosen by God to fill a need in the early church, but Stephen was chosen by God and even recorded in the Word of God. He was, his name is mentioned in the Word of God as one that God chose. Now, how often tonight do we think about, I wish I could do that? I wish I could be them. 
I wish that I could be a part of that. I wish I could be used of God. And we get to the place that we almost believe that being used of God is some type of a random selection to where God just looks down from heaven and really plays duck, duck, goose on who gets to be picked to be used of God. That David was just lucky. David got picked by God. He was just lucky. And Daniel was just, you know, one of God's pets, you know, the teacher's pet. And he got picked by God to do all those wonderful things. And I hate to tell you tonight, the truth of it is it's less random than we think. Oftentimes in Scripture, people that were used and chosen by God as servants of God to do things that we are envious of and admirable of, they were used for a very specific reason. There's a reason God chose them. Oftentimes, if you'll read behind people that were used of God in great ways, you will start finding common denominators. Uh, that's, how I, that's how my brain works, and uh, I didn't realize that for years, but uh, I would find people that were successful, successful basketball players, successful chefs, successful architects, find successful politicians, well, maybe not politicians because they can buy their way up there, but successful other things, and try to figure out how did they get there and then look for common denominators and you'll be amazed. You'll find oftentimes there are common denominators from people that become successful. It's the same way spiritually. I believe my wife has it on the wall at the library. I think you do, or at least we talked about putting that up there. Uh, the phrase that leaders are readers. It's one of those common denominators. Oftentimes in leaders, you'll find that there's a common thread that oftentimes great leaders were great readers. Now, spiritually, I believe if you'll look in the Word of God, you'll find oftentimes there were similar choices that were made by people of God in the Word of God, and those choices are what led them to be chosen by God. You know, God's not looking up down from heaven and just randomly picking out people. Oftentimes, it's our choices that lead us to becoming God's choice. It was not random that David got picked. It was not random that Daniel did what Daniel did. It was not random that the apostle Paul got used. Folks, listen, there are choices that we make on a daily basis that decide whether or not we will be God's choice and God's chosen servant to do certain things in our life. So the next few weeks, we're going to look at this very simple subject of a, a choice servant. A choice servant. We use that term a lot that, you know, so-and-so is a choice servant. But if you're not careful, you'll throw it off almost as if, you know, well, God gave them special powers. You know, I know some super Christians. I really do. There's a few in this room. Uh, people, they can get a hold of God. You know, you find out who you really admire and you think that walk with God when you have a great need in your life and those are the people you call on to pray. I can take my cell phone out. If you take my cell phone out, uh, there's, if you just look up the brothers that are in there, B-R-O, brother this, brother that, brother that, there's probably hundreds of them in there and I love every one of them and I appreciate most of them. Some of them pick on me sometimes. I don't appreciate them like I could, but I love them all. I don't appreciate them all, but I love them all. If you look through all the brothers that are on there, I appreciate them very much, but there's a few on there that I know can ring the doorbell of heaven. I have a need in my life and a need in my family. So folks, I want you to understand, if you want to be who God uses, and someone that you, God uses more than maybe you're used already, it a lot of times boils down to the choices you make in order to become a choice servant. And so tonight I'm going to introduce it to you. I know the hour is getting late already, but I want to introduce it to you. We're not going to look at a lot of specifics tonight. Next week we're going to look at Stephen specifically, but we need to introduce it tonight if we could. So we're going to look at the choosing of a servant tonight. 
the choosing of a servant. And we're gonna look at the criteria that God sets in Acts chapter number six for the people he chose, okay? So tonight, very simple stuff, very generic stuff. Next week, we're gonna get very specific. But tonight, let's look at how God chooses a servant. So look at verse two. The Bible says, the 12 called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, it is, not reason, it is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. So the 12 says, look, the, the widows are going untaken care of. The widows, the Grecian widows, if you will, the Hellenistic uh, Jews that were there, the converts, they were getting missed out, mistreated, if you will. And they says, you need to look after our widows like you're looking after uh, the, the Jews that are, that are here and were born here, kind of the home folks that are here. And he says, so here's the answer. They need to be looked after, but we've got to find people who can fill those voids and fill those needs. So verse 3, the Bible gives us how God led them to choose the servants for this task. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men, now watch these next few words, seven men of honest report. Now, the reason this is important tonight that you need to understand how God chooses servants is because if you're not careful, you'll be living by the wrong standard that doesn't impress God at all. You know, I know churches out there who think the the bigger the building, the shinier the building, the brass and the, the gold ornamentation, all that, that get God's attention. I'll tell you tonight, that doesn't get God's attention. You need to understand what God's looking for. If you want to be chosen by God to do something and a choice servant that gets to serve God in a greater capacity than you are now, you need to know what gets the attention of God. So we see in verse number three, the Bible says, the first thing he mentions, look ye out among you seven men of honest report. Number one tonight, what I want you to see is what God chooses. What God chooses. That's number one tonight. And you need to understand tonight that what God chooses is outlined in verse three. Men of honest report. Honest report. Now this is important. Honesty and of honest report, that's your your testimony and that's your integrity. So we notice tonight that what God is focusing on in verse number three is he's focusing on character. God is once again, as we looked with the disciples in Matthew chapter 4 and chapter 5, God looks on the inside first. He says, I want you to seek out men of honest report. God says, what I'm looking for and what I'm paying attention to and what gets my attention is character. I want you to know this is not a word you hear much mentioned in 2019. I was born in 1980, just a few short years ago. Amen. Amen. 1980 wasn't all that long ago. I mean, we were past the bell bottoms. I was in the 80s. I made it into the 80s by four days. Thank the Lord. I didn't have to be a part of the 70s. What a blessing that was. I think that's the grace of God in my life. But it's interesting to note this. Verse number three, he focuses on character, listen closely, more than capability. Would you please notice that? He focuses on men of honest report. He says, I want you to look for men of character. He focuses on character and yet does not mention the capability of the men. Interesting today, how often do we first look at capability before character? How often do we look at what people can do and the flash in the pan, as my dad used to say, and all that they can do rather than who they are on the inside? Notice tonight, if you want to get God's attention to become a choice servant, God chooses character. That's what he's looking at. If you desire to be a choice servant tonight, you need to know that's what he's looking for. God's going to look on the inside. Now, remember back in 1 Samuel chapter 16. Remember back in 1 Samuel 16 when God was getting ready to choose the next king. 
All right? He sought a man after his own what? Where's your heart at? It's on the inside. God had rejected Saul and chose a man after his own heart. God says, I'm looking for a man who's like me on the inside. That's what I'm looking for. God's looking for character. All right? So he lines up all of Jesse's sons. I, I, I picture them from this great big old soldier in armor all the way down. And they didn't even have the, uh, the courtesy to call David up there. Surely not. Why? Because David was not capable to be king. He was just a kid. And here goes Samuel down the line. Nope, nope. I mean, how disappointing would that have been? <laughs> For the preacher to look at you and say, nope, it ain't you. What are you talking about? I'm the big soldier. I'm armored, you know. I'm, I'm the eldest son. I mean, surely it was him. No, pass him up, pass him up, pass him up, pass him up. And finally Samuel gets to the end of the line and says, don't you have any more? I mean, there's David. I mean, he did not even get the courtesy of an invitation. You know, I mean, at least you send cur- invitations to people for weddings. You know they're not going to come, but at least you send them an invitation out of courtesy, right? David did not even get an invitation of courtesy. He said, we have one more. He says, bring him up here. He said, that's the man. And then Samuel goes on to say something very interesting in 1 Samuel chapter 16 and verse number 7. It says, the Lord seeth not as man seeth. The Lord seeth not as man seeth. What does man look on? He would go on to say, man looketh on the outside, but the Bible says the Lord looketh upon the heart, looks on the man, looks on the inside. Notice tonight, the choice servant, David became the choice servant, not because he had capability, because he had character. Tonight, if you want God to use you, you got to understand tonight, God's not looking at how strong you are, how well you speak. Listen, God can take care of all of that. Moses says, I can't speak real well, and I don't know if I can do that. God says, I can take care of all of that, but what I need is the character. You see, character is what we take care of. The capability is what God takes care of. Aren't you glad? I remember June of 1995 when God called me to preach. Man, I had every reason in the world not to surrender to preach. Some of you are thinking tonight, I wish you hadn't. Well, he called me, so I had to, amen? Talk to him about it. And I gave God every reason in the world why I could not be used of him. Look, I don't like to talk to people. I, look, I told my dad one time as a teenager, probably 13, 14 years old, he, he asked me to get up and lead the singing at the church he was pastoring. I said, I'd rather take a whooping. I sure did. I was scared to death to stand in front of people. Some of you are wishing I'd get back that tonight. Well, why don't you get scared? You'll get up and you'll sit down real quick and don't let us get out too late tonight. Listen, folks, understand this tonight. You can give God every reason of why you're not capable, but God says, I'm not looking for capability. I'm looking for character. He says, I want you to seek out men of an honest report. He says, I'm seeking out men who have integrity. Why? Because God says, I can give them the capability, but only you can supply the character. We started hiring our staff at Bayou Baptist Church. Um, You know, a small church that doesn't pay a whole lot. It's not really attractive to a lot of guys. We began to to run across people we think might work with us, and They'd come in, they would sit in my office, and we'd sit there and talk. And remember one of the young men that we did hire and did a great job there today? Uh, he says to me, I, I didn't go to Bible college. I said, okay. I said, where'd you go to college? And he told me. He says, I, I didn't finish college. I went three years there and didn't finish. And he began to tell me all about why, you know, he, you know he, I may not be what he's looking for. But I wanted to know is the character of the young man. Because let me give you this tonight and write this down in the back of your mind or write it down on a piece of paper. Capability means you can. Character means you will. 
I know a lot of guys tonight that are capable that don't. And I know a lot of guys tonight that are not very good, but they keep going when the going gets rough. Why? Because they have character. God's looking for people tonight that are for real on the inside, not just for real on the outside. Because, folks, we got it for real on the outside down pat pretty good. We can put a suit on and some nice cologne and brush our hair. We look all nice. But God says, I'm looking on the inside. And if you want to be a choice servant tonight, you've got to know what's attractive to God. And what's attractive to God is not the outside of the whited sepulcher. It's that heart on the inside. And maybe tonight the reason God doesn't use us the way we think we should be used is because God knows who we really are. Could it be that? That God's looking on the inside and God sees it on the outside. We look great, but on the inside, he knows we're not faithful. We're not obedient. Our heart is far from him, as he says in the book of Matthew. What's interesting is we see the story of David play out very beautifully. And we go just a, just a few verses over, not even one chapter over. David comes to the battlefield where his brothers are. are. Remember that? David comes to the battlefield, and there's Goliath down there spouting off all that he's got to say. And guess what stepped up to fight Goliath? It wasn't capability. It was character. David steps up and he says, is there not a cause? There was something on the inside of David churning to go down there and to confront the evil that was there. Why? Because that's who David was on the inside. And look where capability was, scared to death, stepping aside. Folks, understand tonight, God knows exactly who we are. There's no point. Look, if you fool the preacher, I'm going to give you a cardboard cookie trophy. That's all you're going to get. It ain't worth nothing. My wife fools me all the time. She even tricks me into taking out the garbage. You think 14 years in, I'd be smart enough to know better than that. No, she gets me every time. You fool me, you have not done nothing because the only one that counts knows who we really are. And if we want to be used of God, we've got to be real on the inside. My dad used to use the term Deal Moody used years ago that character is who you are in the dark. Character is who you are in the dark. Nobody's looking, that's who you really are. And God is going to use you based on who you really are rather than who you are pretending to be to everybody else. If you want to be a choice servant tonight, understand God chooses character. Verse 3, men of honest report. Dr. Lee Robertson said years ago, I got to hear him preach as a kid. And he may be quoting somebody else, okay, but he was the first one I heard say it, so I give him credit for it. He said, God doesn't call the equipped. He equips those that are called. God doesn't call you because you're, as a preacher used to say, all of that in a bag of chips. God calls you because of your character. He says, I can equip you. I can give you everything that you're going to need. God can take care of all of that, but you've got to supply the character. And we've got to get to the place, folks, listen, where we're real with God. One of the things that breaks my heart probably more than anything as a pastor is when you know folks are coming to church and they're not being honest with God. We sit in these chairs and we act like nothing's wrong. We act like everything's okay. But we wonder why God's not using us, because God knows who we really are. God's looking on the inside. He's choosing character. Now, understand this. Character tonight is who God knows we are. Character is who God knows we are. You know, my wife knows me probably better than anybody in this room. I'm sure she does better than anybody in this room. My daughter will be right after that. Uh, they know the crazy side of me that some of you have never got to know, and hopefully some of you never will get to know. But they know me better than anybody. It's hard for me to hide things from my wife. I mean, my wife will notice just a twitch of an eyebrow. You know, I'll ask her a question, and she'll say, you hesitated. Like I was swallowing a grape. You know, <laughs> give me a second. 
She'll say, uh, how does this look? And I'll say, oh, you hesitate. I just give, I give me a chance to think about it. She knows me that well. There is no point in me trying to lie to my wife. If I try to lie to my wife, I start smiling. And then my ears start turning speckled red. I don't know how that happens. But it's like an alarm system, Brother Carney. It goes off. My ears start speculating. Look, Christmas time, you know, I kind of feel like uh, you can bend the truth a little bit around Christmas time when they ask you directly, what did you get me for Christmas? I just try to do my best to avoid being, my ears start speckling, you know? I can't lie to her. I'll tell you one person you really can't lie to, it's God. We wonder, God, why aren't you using me? God, why don't you let me be a part of that? Look, I don't know what God's will is for your life, but oftentimes God knows us better than who we are portraying ourselves to be. And God's not choosing us and God's not using us oftentimes because he knows we're not who we are pretending to be. Why did God use Joseph? Why did God use Daniel? Because they were the biggest, the strongest? No, they were men of character. Say, how do you know? Well, when Joseph was away from mom and daddy... Joseph was on his own. Joseph was down in prison, away from everybody else. Joseph retained his integrity. You know what that's called? It's called character. Why did God use Joseph to become vice president of Egypt in that wonderful story? I mean, Hallmark couldn't touch it. What a story. May sit up there on the throne and his brothers have no idea who it was. You see, if that was me, my ears would have gave me away. They didn't notice me that his ears are glowing. That's our brother up there, you know? Old Joseph. Old Joseph, man, what a story. I wish I could be a part of a story like that. Well, maybe if we had the integrity that Joseph had. Maybe if God knew that we would be who we said we are rather than who we portrayed ourselves to be. I think about Job real quickly. And I want to get to a few of these in the next few weeks. But Job chapter 1 To me, one of the most powerful verses in all Scripture is Job chapter 1, verse 1. Let me tell you why. Because it's God's testimony of Job. The Bible says there was a man in the land of us. By the way, my wife asked me the other day, she says, you say us, I think it's ooze. So I'm not sure, we have to look it up in the Greek, but it's us or ooze. The Bible says there was a man in the land of that. The Bible says that man, listen closely, that man was. Now, that little word, we overlook it very easily, but that's an important word to notice. That God is saying, here's the man, and by the way, this is God speaking, and God says, that man was perfect, upright, he feared God, and he eschewed evil. This is God saying, this is who he is. By the way, you don't make it through the trial that Job made it through just pretending. Job made it through the trial that he made it through because he was Not because he was pretending, but because he was perfect or mature or upright. The Bible says he feared God and eschewed evil. That's who he was. If we want to be used of God, say, man, I wish God would use my life like he used Job. Maybe if we was what Job was, God would use us as well. Because notice God looks on the inside. God chooses character. Church at Laodicea, they told Christ They said, we're rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. Be careful when you start telling God who you are. Oftentimes, if you have to tell him, it probably ain't so. Folks come up, I'm a good person. I'm going to tell you, you tell me you're a good person. I just hate to tell you this. I got a red flag already. If you have to tell it, the odds are you may not be it. Can we throw that out there as truth? Amen. We're rich and we're Christian goods and we have need of nothing. And what did Jesus say to them? He says, you're wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. 
Here's what he said. He said, you've got everything on the outside that you think you're supposed to have, but on the inside, your character stinks. That's what he said in my manner of speaking. He says, you're wretched, you're miserable, you're blind. You see, oftentimes the reason God doesn't choose us and we don't get to be used of God in ways that we could be used of God is because we're trying to get God's attention through things that he doesn't care about. He said, man, I got me this brand new suit, and man, I learned, I learned all of these Christian poems I can use in my messages. Oh, that's going to sound really good. No, God says, I'm looking on the character. That's what gets my attention. Remember my first year of Bible college? I'm, I'm kind of getting close to home now. When I was in Louisiana, I could use illustrations, but I worry about people hearing me. But now, man, live stream kind of takes that rug out from under you. And uh, my first year of college, I had a class. We'll put it at that. And that class had a teacher that was kind of tough. And uh, somebody told me, they says, look, if you want to get on their, neutral pronoun, their side, go up and ask them about the Civil War because they really like the Civil War. And you want to get on their good side, ask them about the Civil War. So I thought, hey, can't hurt. So I walk up in their classroom and I spoke to the teacher and I said, so-and-so, can you recommend a good book about the Civil War? And the teacher says, absolutely. Let me tell you, there's a good book called North and South, and it was almost like she sniffed it out. (laughs) She smelled what I was up to. She says, but it's a very large book, and there are no pictures, so you probably wouldn't like it. (laughs) The rest of the year was rough. Here I was trying to get her attention, trying to get on her good side, and I realized real quick she figured me out and didn't work that well. We walk around trying to act like we're somebody and we're acting like, man, I got it all together. And God says, I see who you are. You're not getting my attention because I'm looking on the inside. God seeth not as man seeth. I read a wonderful story today. I'll give you this and I'll move on to number two. Uh, Wilburn Overwright, you know very well, who flew the plane there in 1903 at Kitty Hawk, uh, their dad was a preacher, and by the way, their dad was very skeptical that man would ever fly. You need to read some of the stories about their dad, how he says if God meant man to fly, he would have given him wings. That was the Wright brother's dad. Uh, Orville Wright, or Wilbur Wright died at, at 45 years old, and here's what his father wrote in his journal the day that his son died, May 30th, 1912. This morning at 3.15, Wilbur passed away, age 45, one month and 14 days. A short life full of consequences, an unfailing intellect, great self-reliance, and as great modesty, seeing the right clearly, pursuing it steadily, he lived and died, period. Now, here's what's interesting. Here was his dad. His sons were the first guys really to ever fly and make it, make it go. And yet, in his dad's journal entry about his son that had just died, he mentioned nothing about the airplane and only spoke of his son's character. Isn't that amazing that here's a dad and whose sons had all of these great accomplishments and great acclaim, and yet what mattered most to their dad in the journal entry when he died was the character of his son. He says, seeing the right clearly and pursuing it steadily, he lived and he died. I kind of think my father's the same way, don't you? You know, I, I could accomplish big things and build big things and put on a big show, but ultimately what my heavenly father is going to look at when I leave this world was my character. Not what I did as much as who I was and make sure that who I was lined up with what I did. We read this about Enoch. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 5, that he had this testimony that he pleased God. He had this testimony that he pleased God. What does that mean? Number one, it means God chooses character. Look down, wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, 
Now, we're going to skip over full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom because we're going to cover that later. Look at the next part of this verse. It says, whom we may appoint over this business. Whom we may appoint over this business. So we see men of integrity. God's going to look on the inside. You want to be a choice servant. You want to be somebody that God looks down and says, hey, I've got a void, I've got a need, and I need somebody. Go get that guy right there. If you want to be that, it's going to involve having the right character who God knows who you are, and we're living honestly before God. But the second thing is just as important. Notice how God chooses. How God chooses. It says, whom we may appoint. Here's what they're saying. They're saying we have this need that is here in the church, but we need to find men that we can appoint. It literally means we need to find men that we can call upon to go and to fill the need that is there. Can I tell you how God chooses people? He calls them. He chooses people through a calling. A calling is, is merely this. It's a divine selection and appointment. It means God looked down, and he's, it's kind of like, you know, some of you folks have a, a toolbox. If your toolbox is anything like mine, it's just all jumbled up in there. Some of you men have a nice, organized toolbox where all of your sockets are exactly where they're supposed to be. And uh, I admire you for that. Um, you need to have a kid. That's all I got to say. You just need to have a kid and all that. No, my daughter doesn't mess with my sockets. It's me. I just get lazy. Don't put them back where they go. And it's amazing how all of those little sockets are down to the millimeters, you know, and you climb underneath that car and you can't hardly get up in there and you got this little uh, nut and a bolt up there you're trying to get loose and you need just that perfect size socket that's just the precise millimeters to get it off. Well, oftentimes God has needs in the church and needs in this world that he needs just the right size socket to fit. And wouldn't it be wonderful if God looks down and says, look, I got a 12 millimeter need and I need a 12 millimeter Christian and he looks down and you just so happen to be a 12 millimeter Christian. Wouldn't that be awesome? But wait a minute, in order for that 12 millimeter uh, socket to get to the, uh, the bolt that is over here, I've got to take it out of where it's at and put it in its place. Now listen, this is how God works. We don't serve God and become a choice servant on our rules. We become a choice servant based on the calling of God as a divine selection and appointment. That means God has 100% leeway to tell us where he wants us and to put us there. I believe the reason tonight so many of us never get to serve God as a choice servant is simply because of this. We will not allow God, notice what those words say, whom we may appoint. We won't let God appoint us. We want to serve God the way that we want to serve God, where we want to serve God, and we won't allow God to appoint us. That means we won't allow God to select us and appoint us to where he wants us to go. Folks, if you want to be used of God tonight, a, a choice servant, understand God chooses through a calling. He says, here's the need. I want you to fill the need, and we just submit to the will of God. I told you, June of 95, God called me to preach. And I really wanted to know that night, what do, you, what do you want me to do? Is it a missionary? Is it a pastor? By the way, pastor was the last thing on the list. It really was. Missionary, I really thought that was a neat idea because I watched Swiss Family Robinson as a kid and I wanted to be a missionary. I wanted to build a house in a tree and live in it the rest of my life. I just really chased tigers around the jungle and drink coconut milk. I just thought that was the life. My wife, maybe not so much interested in that, but he knew what he was doing. But in order for me to fulfill the will of God and be the servant that he was calling me to, I had to let him take me from where I was and put me where he wanted. Now, this is important. 
You see, a choice servant, really the choice is God's. That God gets to decide where we go, whom we may appoint, is what the Bible says. You'll find something interesting in Romans chapter 1 and 1 Corinthians chapter 1. The Apostle Paul's writing to the respective churches. He says this, Paul, gives his name first, called to be an apostle. Now, this is what's interesting. In, in 1 Corinthians 1, in Romans chapter 1, the first thing he says is, Paul called to be an apostle. He's saying, the reason I'm doing what I'm doing is because this is what God told me to do. You see, Paul was appointable. He was able to be moved by God according to God's divine will for his life. He allowed God to take him and put him where, we wanted, where he wanted. I believe tonight so many of us never become a choice servant. Never used of God because we want to serve God where we're at doing what we want to do rather than being appointable. God says, I have this need in the church. Here's how I want to fill the need. I need to find men that I can call on and men that will answer the call and be placed where I am calling them to be. One of my favorite verses, 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12. Listen close. And I thank Christ Jesus my Lord who hath enabled me. By the way, quick note. Notice Paul says... I thank him for enabling me. That means he gave me the capability. But listen to the next part. For that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. Did you hear that? Putting me in the ministry. Paul says, look, I was on the road to Damascus one day, and God called down from heaven, and God called me to to go into the ministry, and he put me into the ministry. You know, uh, if those sockets would never, by the way, sometimes it's hard to get them things out of the box, isn't it? You know, trying to reach in there and grab those little bitty millimeters and pull them out, and finally you just turn it upside down and beat it over your knee, and you sort them out on the floor, and you get the one. That's why they're not in there anymore. And sometimes it's hard to get them things out of the box, but in order for me to to use them, they got to leave the box and, and get on the ratchet. Now look, if you won't allow God to put you anywhere, then don't be surprised if you never become a choice servant. The Bible says that we need men that we can call upon and appoint over this business. One of my favorite stories in the Bible is is about Philip. By the way, over the next four or five years, I probably will cover the entire Bible saying that's my favorite story, okay? Because I like all of them that are in there. Oh, Philip, I don't know what Philip's up to at the moment. God calls him. But the Bible says that old Philip's sitting over there in Acts chapter 8, and the Holy Spirit speaks to Philip and says, I want you to get over there to that guy's chariot, all right? Get over there to his chariot. He goes over the chariot. He runs up beside the chariot. I don't know how this goes down, but basically he says, do you understand what you're reading? You're talking about guts, bravery, man. Just carjack somebody and tell them about Jesus. That's exactly what he did. He says, how can I except some man show me? I got to have somebody show me that. And Philip got to lead the man to Christ. And just a little while later, he got to baptize him. Oh, man, what a story. I love stories like that. Can I tell you why Philip was used of God? Because if you're reading those verses, the Bible says, go near and join thyself to his chariot. Philip was puttable. He was, as verse 3 says, he was appointable. Now look, you want to be used of God? You want to be a choice servant? I wish I was like David and Daniel and Paul and Philip. Be puttable. Can God put you where he wants you? You know, that was a big question I had to answer about three months ago. Am I going to let God put me where he wants me? Or am I going to stay where God wants, or where I want to, to be placed? Can I tell you, you let God put you where he wants to put you, he'll use you far beyond how you think you can be used where you think you are. But you've got to allow God to put you. 
it should be no surprise to us tonight that God calls the callable. God calls the callable. I'm not talking for salvation. I'm talking about for service. You want to be used of God? Be callable. He looks down oftentimes at us and he can tell, listen, we ain't moving. There's no, listen, there's no point even wasting the postage on mailing us a letter, calling us into his service because he knows we're not callable. We're not puttable. We're not appointable, as verse 3 says. Instead, our heart should be as Isaiah's, Isaiah chapter 6 and verse number 8, where he says, here am I, send me. Just put me where you want me. Just put me where you want me. Hey, you want me plunging out of the toilet? You just put me where you want me. Hey, you want me cutting the grass? You just put me where you want me. You want me down there, over there in Malaysia? Just put me where you want me. I, God will use you that way. But see, God looks on the inside. God looks at our character. Then he chooses us through a calling. Look, don't be surprised. Real quick, by the way, the third point's the shortest, so we're on the downslope here, okay? Don't be surprised if God tugs at your heart and calls at your heart on Sunday morning to do something, and you say no, don't be surprised if God doesn't call you to do something else. Why? Because you didn't answer the call on that. You were not, as verse 3 says, appointable to that, so God's not going to appoint us to something else. Be faithful over a few things. Be amazed if we just did what we were told to do, how God would lead us to do even greater things than that. So number two, how God chooses, he chooses through a calling. Then notice the last part of verse three. What are we talking about tonight? We're talking about how God chooses and how God chooses his servants. So we see the character in verse number three. We see the calling in verse number three. And the last part says this, whom we may appoint over this business. Whom we may appoint over this business. Now, we see in the last part of verse number three why God and his reasoning, why he wants to call them. The Bible says this business. Now, before tonight you raise your hand and you sign up, I want to be a choice servant. I want to be somebody that gets chosen. As the Bible says in verse five, the Bible says they chose Stephen. Man, I want to be chosen. I want to be a servant of God that's called of God to do something for God. You need to understand all of the fine print before you sign up. Verse 3 says, a point over this business. Number 3, I want you to notice why God chooses. Why God chooses. Sometimes I think we get a false impression of what ministry is really all about. I believe in 2019, even, even folks who believe the Bible have got a, a skewed mind of what ministry is all about. You know, ministry is about ministering. Ministry is about ministering. Sometimes, look, even as pastors, it's easy to forget, I am here to serve. I am here to minister. That's why I'm here. That's what ministry is all about. I'm not here, as Christ said, to be ministered to. I am here to minister. So number three tonight, why God chooses, it's commitment. I want to show you what that means here in just a second, commitment. You see, the Bible says in chapter 6, there was this need. The widows were not getting the attention that the widows needed and deserved as outlined by the Word of God. And so they needed someone to fill that void. And they says, hey, we need some men that we can call upon to go and meet those needs. So understand what Stephen is being chosen for is service. Stephen wasn't being chosen for an office job. Stephen wasn't being chosen to have a nice title above his door and a website with his picture on it. Stephen was being chosen to go and look after the widows. That's service. I believe the reason many of us never become a choice servant of God is because we really have no interest in serving. Look, it's fun having, look, it's, it's, I have a really nice office back there. I have my own coffee pot. I can drink coffee all day long if I was there all day long. My wife even bought me some biscottis. Not exactly who invented those things, but they're hard. 
I think it's just a hard biscuit that somebody gave a name to, and they sell it to folks who want to be all uppity, you know, because I drink coffee and, and eat biscottis. But you know, a nice office will wear off in about seven days. Title above the door is really nice. Name on a website is really nice. But one family tragedy and all of that dissolves real quick. I mean, folks, can I tell you, if you're not in it to serve, you're not going to be in it very long. There's a reason it's called a choice servant. Because to be a choice servant, you must be willing, watch this, Number one, you have the character. Number two, you get called, and God's calling you to do what Stephen was being called to do, and that is to serve. I'll tell you, a lot of us checked out on number three real quick. Change my mind. You ever raise your hand for something you didn't realize you were raising your hand for? Timeshares. Ah. Yeah, some of you that got snookered at you, still paying for that to this day. You got 34 years left, and it'll be done. You'll have it fade off. Look, when you sign up to be a choice sir, to be used of God, understand you're going to be used. Story years ago, a lady came to her pastor and says, I, I want to be involved. And by the way, I love it when folks come to the office and say, I want to be involved. I'd rather folks come to me and, and, and say they want to be involved than me have to chase people down. Because those that come to you, man, they're fired up. They want to do something. A lady comes to her pastor. She says, I want, to be, I want to be used of God. I want to be used of God. So he says, uh, can you teach? No. Can you sing? No. Can you do anything? She says, no, not really. He says, well, do you have a car? She says, yeah, I have a car. And he says, well, look, there's some kids live down there across the tracks. They've been needing to ride, and all the buses are full. Would you go down and pick up those five kids in your car? And he says, by the way, what kind of car do you have? She says, I have a Cadillac. He says, yeah, they'll like that. Three, four weeks, man, she goes across tracks, pick up those kids, brings them into church, keeps going, bring them to church. About two months into it, man, knock on the preacher's door, and the lady comes to the door, and he says, hey, how are you doing? She says, I am sick and tired of this. He says, sick and tired of what? She says, I feel like I'm being used. He said, isn't that what you asked for? She said, yeah, but I didn't know I was going to be used. He said, yeah, that's what it's all about. He said, well, I think ministry is a lot more glamorous than that. Well, just ask Jesus. By the way, Stephen's glamour lasted about three verses. Because if you'll start in verse number eight, Stephen starts preaching. He's a long-winded preacher, so he goes on into chapter number seven, too. By verse number 54 of chapter 7, he's having his brains beat out one chapter later. You know what that's called? That's called service. That's called ministry. Watch close. Stephen was called by God to go place himself in the middle of a need. That's what God's called all of us to do. Let's go find a need. He did not come to call the righteous. He came to call the sinners. He says, I'm going to find the need, and I'm going to place myself in middle of the need. You want to be a choice servant? Understand, being a choice servant that God can use is somebody that's willing to have the character and answer the calling to go and be committed to the needs of others. That's what ministry is all about. We teach our kids the song about joy, Jesus and others in you. What a wonderful way to spell joy. But that's the only way you'll find joy as a Christian, not by serving yourself, but by serving others. The Bible says, whom we may appoint over this business. Look up the word business, and it means need. Kind of sounds like a a neat job title, doesn't it? To appoint over this business. I'm going to be over something. Yeah, you're going to be placed right there in the middle of a need. When I was a kid, I was an outdoorsy kind of kid. And, uh, man, just loved going out in the woods, building forts and 
stuff like that, making knives. I'd probably be arrested today just, you know, for some kind of extremist activity that used to be normal as a kid. We'd go out and make bows and arrows out of sticks and twigs and all that kind of stuff. And I'd come home oftentimes and I'd cut myself on something. Mom didn't freak out, you know. It was just part of life. And uh, my skin would have a kind of a slice in it. My legs had a cut in it or something like that. And my mom says, well, go get me a Band-Aid. I go get her a Band-Aid and Mom would come back, and she'd pull those two pieces of skin together. She'd take that Band-Aid and, and put that Band-Aid across those two pieces, and that Band-Aid kind of held it together till it kind of get healed. A few days later, I got tired of you know, wearing that, that Band-Aid and changing the Band-Aid, so finally I just snatched it off. And look, sure enough, man, that Band-Aid pulled the sides together and, and pro- helped provide healing. But man, you look at that old Band-Aid. I don't mean to gross you out tonight, but you look at that old Band-Aid, man, it looked pretty rough. That old Band-Aid got used up pretty bad. It, it, it didn't turn out too well, but can I tell you what it did? It helped meet the need and bring healing. That's what ministry is. You know, that's what Christ was doing when he was there on the cross, his arms outstretched. He was grabbing man by one hand and grabbing God by the other, and he was pulling the two together. It didn't end up too well for him, but man, aren't you thankful for Christ? And what he's calling you to be is a Band-Aid to somebody else's need. Go help somebody pull something together. Oh, man, I didn't sign up for that. Then you didn't sign up for ministry. So I didn't sign up for that. Well, then you're not a servant because what a servant does is he goes and places himself and commits himself to the needs who may appoint over this business. It really means a need. Understand tonight real quickly, there's service involved in being a choice servant. There's service involved. So let's review. Tonight I'm just introducing, I'm fixing to be done. Next week we're going to look specifics in the life of Stephen. But understand this, number one, how does God choose? What does God choose? God chooses character. So I can't sing very good, I don't look very good, I'm not rich, I can't preach, I stutter when I speak, no problem. What's your character like? Because God's looking for some real people that he can equip to do what he is, number two, calling them to be. He wants to call them to something. God wants to take you a divine selection and appointment to what? To the needs of others. So we have a character, we have a calling, we have commitment. You want to be a choice servant? Work on your character. You want to be a choice servant? Be willing to be called. That means divine selection and appointment. You want to be a choice servant tonight? Be willing to commit to the needs of others. You work on those three things, don't be surprised if you don't find yourself being used of God. But tonight, if we refuse to have real character, we refuse to be called, and we refuse tonight to be committed to the needs of others, then don't be surprised if you're not a servant of choice and a choice servant to God. Let's have our heads bowed tonight and our eyes closed.